Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. So, our guest today is Arian Bithay, and she is a interior designer in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she has a decor shop called Dressing Rooms Interior Studio. There she offers full-service interior design as well as a carefully curated mix of vintage finds selected by Arian herself. Welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I just want to kind of describe it a little bit so that people kind of get a feel for your style before we ask you all the sorts of questions about it. It is just so fun to look through. I feel like there's so much joy found in your spaces and you are not afraid of color. It could be, you know, just some magenta pillows on a neutral sofa, or it could be a full-on magenta pink color in your own dining room. Right now on your site, you had this incredible set of gold chairs that were sort of pushed together to create like a sectional sort of a marigold color. I just felt like color is so evident in your work. How did you get started? You have a shop and you're a designer and how did you even get down this road? So I've always been decorating. All designers say they always been decorating. But I remember in my, the earliest, like the one that the closest memory that'll you know, lead me into this design world was uh, working. I worked in training and development and human resources. That's my my background is in human resources. And I had a small office with a window and I didn't have any shelving. I, did, I didn't have any space, but I do remember walking through the halls in all these gray cubes. And I remember that feeling of, I can't live like this. Like this cannot be what I see. Like I will die if I have to walk. I'm down this hall again, watching these gray cubes. Like <laughs> something has to change immediately. And so I knew I wasn't going to be doing this anymore. I just didn't know what I was going to be doing. And then around that time was when blogs had started to be really popular in 2009. And I started following design blogs. And I saw a woman, Deka Robinson, she was doing interior design. And actually she was selling on Etsy, Vintage Finds. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, that's a great idea. And so I just kept following her and we would go back and forth. And that kind of led me into, I can, I wonder if I can open a store. And so I just kind of online, like an Etsy store. So my husband and I, we were watching HGTV, which I watched all the time at the time when they used to do design shows and saw that a hundred, it's called the 127 corridor sale. And it goes from like, I don't know, Ohio to Texas or something like it goes up and down this corridor and it's once a year. It's the first week in August and everybody comes out and sells. So you'll have people just in front of their house selling stuff or you'll, you know, pull up on some tents with like a ton of vendors from across the country. And so we decided to pick it up in Tennessee and I took, I don't know, three something like that. And I was like, hey, when this runs out, that's it. And then I'll start my little Etsy shop. And so that's kind of how I started it. That is so fun. 
Well, I love that story because I feel like there's so many, so many guests that we've had over the years that have these untraditional backgrounds, you know, lawyers, like PhD, they've always come back to design because just, you know, just like you, because like there was some draw, some like sort of spiritual thing. You just had to do it. So you started this Etsy shop and then it's grown now into brick and mortar. How did you kind of grow over time and then have the faith to open up a shop. I feel like opening a shop seems like a much bigger risk to me than than an Etsy shop, you know, where you can just take pictures and yeah. Yeah. So I started with the Etsy shop and and so at some point my goal was to have a shop. And so I figured if I oh I would sell on Etsy for a while, then maybe I would move into doing some other online platform and then I would do a local multi-merchant shop. So a shop that had a bunch of vendors and then I would open a shop. So so what ended up happening is I got laid off for my job and decided if I would focus on the Etsy shop, it could be my job instead of being a side job. And so I was like, if I put all my energy in here, then maybe it'll grow. So I worked on the Etsy shop and then I got contacted by One King's Lane. And this is years later, you know, like maybe a year or so. I've been on Etsy, maybe two, three. I got contacted by One King's Lane about selling furniture on their site. And I was like, I hadn't sold furniture. I'd only done art and accessories because I had to perfect how to ship that stuff. Like, you know, there's no you know, shipping school. And so I had just gone to an estate sale and I had a pair of Chippendale white uh, chairs in my Mini Cooper. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to sell these chairs. Like that morning, I went into the estate sale and I got back and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to sell these chairs. I've never sold furniture online. And so I didn't know how to ship it. I didn't know how that worked. And And that's when she reached out and called. And I was like, Oh yeah, perfect. I have chairs in my car right now. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like perfect timing because I was like, yeah, yeah, I have somewhere to sell these chairs and I don't have to figure out the shipping. So then that's when I started selling furniture. I started selling it through uh, One King's Lane and then, then started selling on Cherish and realized that my pieces were going to like New York, New Jersey, Florida, Georgia, Texas, but they weren't, I wasn't selling in North Carolina or Charlotte. And so I was like, well, that's odd. People must not know I'm here. So I started participating in local pop-up shops. And so to get my name out, like, hey, I'm here in Charlotte, like you can find me. And so I did that for a while. And then a friend of mine, we started our own like furniture pop-up shops for a couple of seasons. And so then I moved into a multi-merchant space for like two, two, three years before I opened the shop. So my goal was to kind of build up this name and following and so that these people would eventually follow me into my shop. I feel like your eye for picking furniture and then choosing the right fabric for that chair, like let's just take a chair. You have an eye that people would kill for. And I feel like that's such a challenge for a lot of people to imagine finding an old chair or maybe a chair that they have from their grandmother or their aunt or something, and then reimagining it with a fresh color. So I wonder if you could kind of walk us through 
how to sort of reimagine a vintage piece. And maybe we can talk through some of the steps to kind of breathing new life into an old piece. So I don't have a whole bunch of fabric. So that's the first thing. I don't hoard fabric. I know a lot of people that do like vendors that have tons of fabric. And I'm like, I can't have it. Like I need the piece to tell me what it wants to be. Like I can't just have this fabric in here. There's once in a while I'll buy fabric if I absolutely love it and need it and find it for a good price. But normally I have to have the piece first. I have to see it. I have questions about reupholstering furniture because I do feel like you have a knack for this. And I think that it's something most people get very intimidated by. So how do you find an upholsterer? What sort of questions should you ask when you're redoing an old piece? Like, do you need to redo the stuffing? Should you leave the stuffing as is? And then also like, what's a reasonable price for reupholstering a chair? Okay. So everything's it's a variable, but finding an upholsterer, I, I have on my site some upholsters that work directly with the public. Because uh, I get the ones I work with don't work with the public. The second thing is I let the upholsterer tell me, like once they take the, they usually don't know if the stuffing needs to be changed until they strip the fabric off. So then they're like, oh, they'll you know call me, hey, I had to put new foam or it needed springs, or it needed new stuffing, or I might want it stuffed. So if it's a down seat, I might want it, you know, added to so that it doesn't feel so flat. So it just depends on the look you're trying to go for. Sometimes I'll modify a chair and I take the back tufting out because sometimes the pattern gets lost in that tufting and I want a smooth back. Sometimes I add a pillow. Sometimes I add cording. Sometimes I take the cording away. I might add contrast cording. It just depends on the fabric. So these are all things that a poster can do. If you have a vision for something, even though somebody else doesn't see it, I'd just stick with your vision because they, they can't imagine it. And maybe you can. So don't let them talk you out of doing something that you think would be really cool. No, that's my vision. I want to see it that way. And you asked me about pricing. Oh, God, that does, that does determine. Everything's higher now. Okay. There's foam shortages. There's all kinds of shortages on everything, which I just learned there's a paint shortage. So it it really varies because it depends if the chair is fully upholstered, if it's just a back and a seat, if they have to do cording, cording's more expensive. If you add a skirt, it's more expensive. It, the more sewing they have to do, it's more expensive. So I can't throw out a number because I don't know what kind of chair it is. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I guess I just am trying to figure out how someone can know whether if they've got a reupholster, if they have a chair or they're buying a chair at an estate sale or a thrift store or something, and they know they need to reupholster it. How do you think about whether it's the value is there? You know, maybe it's just if it's that special of a chair. So if it's a family piece, then I think you should just go ahead and upholster it. And you, and you really want to keep it. You should go ahead and spend the money. So if it's a, if it's a front and a back, I mean, I I get trade pricing. I don't, I don't know what to charge. <laughs> oh, true. I didn't know. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if you can find a few people to ask, like a few upholsterers, you can at least price, you know, how much would you quote me for this chair? So whatever price they're giving you doesn't include the fabric. So you have to take the fabric that you're getting um, in, in consideration. And if you're going to an upholster, have a picture of the chair front and back so that they can tell you how much fabric you need because they'll be able to tell you. And then it depends if there's a repeat. They'll tell you that too. You'll need a little more fabric for a repeat. So there's so many variables. Well, I want to know with, you know, owning a shop, how do you, you have 
great vignettes and you obviously, you know, speak to it being your eye and your taste and, you know, whatever you feels right. How do you plan for that in your space? Because you do, I'm sure people will purchase the gold chairs and then you're, you have a whole blue wall with nothing on it. And then how often are you turning your space? So I try to bring in new things every week. And so that puts a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> but so I kind of have the planned out. So I, one thing, I have a shop sofa, which I keep in the shop. It, it used to be for sale, but then I just really loved it so much. I couldn't imagine it leaving. Like, so, and because I used to do events at the shop and people, it was always a great place for people to sit. I can arrange it how I needed to arrange it. And so I just ended up keeping it, like taking it off the floor. I'm like, this is a shop sofa. It can move. It can go anywhere it needs to go. And and it's like a sectional. So the pieces separate. So if I... Like when they came to get the, when the customer came to get the gold sectional, I was able to kind of just stage the shop. So it wasn't, naked, didn't feel naked with the sofa. So that's how I kind of feel the whole in the meantime. But I always have something in the wings that's waiting to come in. Okay. What about your full service interior design projects? So I take a couple of projects a year. Let me just say that. Because it's a lot of work and a lot of things, variables in place and so they're usually long-term clients. So I'm working on multiple rooms in their home. So I just do one or two of those a year, especially with COVID and the, the supply chain. It's these projects, like I started her project last November and her furniture's just coming in. I have been lately attracting more clients that like color and pattern. And I have an Airbnb I'm working on and they love pattern and color. And I'm so happy they found me and they love color and pattern and it's going to be bright and it's going to be great. And I'm so excited because I'm like, yes, this is this is it. This is the the type of client that I'm looking for. It seems like now there's a lot more color. And I, I realize maybe that hasn't trickled quite down to like the regular consumer. But do you do you find that there's more energy around color just in general? For me, how I kind of thought about it is because when I was in a multi-merchant space, I mean, I, they were always on me like, Arian, that's a, I don't know if that's going to sell. Like that, that color, that pattern. Oh, I don't know. And so, <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. Like if I let them get in my head, I would just totally be doing blue, white and gray. But I just refused to do what everybody else was doing and, at the time and was like, I don't care for sales. I like, I love looking at it. And if I got to keep looking at it, then I don't care about, I don't care if I still have to look at it. So, and that's kind of was my approach because it was heartbreak. Like I actually, yeah, it's like literally breaking my heart to think about looking at a cream to put on a piece of furniture. I'm like, you can get that anywhere. And so part of me was like out in the marketplace, you can't get colorful pattern pieces unless you're working with an interior designer or unless you purchase the fabric or unless you do something custom. And so I'm going to give you that opportunity to buy the yellow sofa or magenta sofa or pattern sofa that you wanted without having to work with a designer or do something custom yourself. So that's kind of the approach I took. Right, right. Well, I did notice that you there were a few little pieces in your shop that were neutral colors, but they were always a pattern. So that was sort of the yeah, yeah. <laughs> what set them apart. I mean, I gotta give the people a little bit, you know, like mm-hmm. a push little, them. Yeah, I push you with the pillows. If you didn't want, if you you know, you can't do a yellow sofa, 
then you can you can put some fun pillows on your on your couch. Yeah. Okay. Is it time for us to do our decorating dilemma? Yes. I think it is. And we have two today. Okay. I'm going to do our first one. Okay. Our first dilemma is from Gunhild, and she is a Norwegian listener. Hi, I'm a Norwegian listener here. Thanks for an inspiring show. My favorite color is green and earthy tones. I'm decorating a room with a tall vaulted ceiling and good natural light. What is the best way to use my favorite color? Paint walls and ceiling green and supply with furniture, etc. in matching colors or paint with matching color and then choose greens in some statement furniture and small items. Wait, so is this her home or is that client's home? I think it's her home. This is her home. And she's decorating a room with a tall vaulted ceiling with good natural light. And she's wondering whether or not to go ahead and paint the walls first and then get the furniture or get the paint furniture the and then figure <laughs> Right, paint the walls. Paint the walls. I had a client. She was selling her home. They had a big picture window in the back of her family room, and behind it was like all greenery. So you walk in, you see that. But her walls were white, so it really didn't stand out to me. And I told her, I said, paint that wall like Hal Navy, like a navy, like a rich navy blue. I think it was Hal Navy, and and no, and that greenery will come out. Like you, it will be like coming through the window and the customer or who is it? She was selling her house. So I said, and the, the clients, they will remember your room. And so she painted that and she was like, oh, she sent me a picture. She's like, Oh my God. It's like, all I see is the outside. Like it's so bright and like, and the color is so good. Like, and it just framed the window so well. And our house sold, I mean, not because of that, who knows, but I know they remembered that room. I know they remembered the room with the the dark blue walls and that picture window and all the greenery because you saw the greenery. Like you could see it. It felt like it was in the room with you. So I always go with the wall color because you want to walk in. To me, color evokes an emotion. And so when people come into my home, I want them to feel cozy and welcomed and without putting that on the wall, you know, with a little thing that says cozy and welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I want them to fill it with the color. And so that would be the comments like, oh, this color is so relaxing and it feels, and I, and so that I was like, I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish because that's what I was looking for. That's the the feeling that it gave me. And that was the feeling I was trying to evoke. Yeah. Always with the color. Cause then she walks in that room and she's like, my favorite color is here. And so many people, when I'm, when I'm you know, doing my interview process with clients. I'm like, what's your favorite color? And I'm sitting in their house and that color is nowhere. And I'm like, well, why isn't that color in this room anywhere? Like nowhere. It's not even on pillow. Like I would never know that was your favorite color. So. Okay. So she says she wants an earthy green. So say she does an earthy green on the walls. What should she do with the furniture? Like, should she go brighter? Should she go neutral? I can guess you probably won't suggest neutral, but well, no, I mean, I, I like a neutral, so it depends on her aesthetic. So you know, she could do a cream sofa or a slip covered sofa and wood tones and black accents. So she could do that or she could do something with a, a pattern. So she could do a bell. It just depends on what yeah. she needs. She could even do something in the green family, just a different 
tone, which is what I like to explain to people. You don't have to do the same color. It doesn't have to match. I explain it to women. like It's like getting your hair highlighted, right? You highlight it and it has different tones in there because it gives it dimension. So that's what we're doing with your pillows. That's what we're doing. Your color. We don't, everything doesn't have to be monochromatic it is, or it doesn't have to match. There can be variations of the color. So I try to explain it and they go, oh, okay, I get it. Cause the hair thing, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So balayage your room. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, that was the, that was the word that jumped out to me in her question because she, she used the word matching a couple of times. And so that was kind of my one thing. It's like, or I guess one concern that hopped out at me. It's like, okay. Use your earthy green, but then maybe use like a little chartreuse and then use like a little, like a deeper green and then like use some, like get some variety in there. Yeah. I love that. The highlighting, the hair color analogy. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Next question. All right. Our next question comes from Jackie. Hello, wonderful ladies. Thank you so much for your entertaining and educational content. I look forward to your podcast every week. Okay. Can I just say that our listeners are awesome? Like everyone is so great. They're so Um, nice. My husband, three kids, and I just moved into an open concept home back in October. We've been loving it, and I think I have the furniture arrangement down, although we need side tables. I'm stumped on what to do with the TV wall, as well as how to add color to the room. I would love to add tones of blue, green, and some pink. I think that's, that's pretty bold. The rug is probably too small, but it was from our last house when it was just the right size. I wanted to get your lovely Bethesda curtain panels, but with a seven foot wide window and door, I would need about eight panels and I couldn't quite go for the cost knowing my kids would get their hands on them. So bleachable panels it is for now. I would love to paint the walls, but I'm not sure how to do it without painting the whole house. The TV wall is open to the stairwell and loft upstairs. One of the downsides of the popular open floor plan concept, I guess, As a side note, the ficus came from my aunt, and while the top dropped its leaves, I'm working on reviving it, and it's coming back. The window and door are south-facing, so there's lots of natural light, which is great. Any and all advice you can give would be so appreciated. Thank you so much. So... (laughs) I love when people feel like they have to explain every, like, they're like, I know, but this is the rug we had. I know, but. But it's coming back. I love it. (laughs) So it's a white cabinet kitchen. And because it's one big room, it goes into the den. You can then see the loft um, staircases in the living room space. And it looks like it's a black metal. And then everything else is white, really clean space with can lights for the living room. And then she has one big window, which looks like the front of the house in the living room opposite the stairs. And she has some nice shears on there right now, some white shears, which I assume are bleachable (laughs) with her little kids. And then she has a blue rug and a very light brown sofa and a looks like a brown recliner and a desk in there too. So she must be working in the living room as well as TV relaxing. Okay. So see that desk is right up against the stairs, that little desk. And it's a brown, it looks just like a brown desk. And then the media console that's under the TV is low and a very dark brown espresso kind of color. Okay. Jackie has two options. She can bite the bullet and paint the entire room because it is open concept. That's the, the beauty of open concept. 
What do you do with the stairwell? Because it's true, you can kind of see up into the loft. What would you do? Just keep going up or do you stop it? You, at just, the you just keep, because there's no natural place to, well, yeah, there's no natural place to stop. So that won't look awkward. So she would have to go all the way up with the color. So it had to be a color she loved. Now, the second option she has is she can paint the ceiling. So she can paint the ceiling a fun color, you know, a blue or gray, and it, it'll carry all the way into the kitchen. And, and then she doesn't have to worry about, you know, the loft area. So that could be where she plays with color. Okay. Can I challenge her a little bit on her curtains? Just throwing this out there. If you want to stick with white, absolutely. But here's my question. Are you really going to take your curtains down and bleach them? That seems like such a huge pain in the rear to me. And the panels that you're referring to there, like this big kind of overscale E-cat with like navy and like several different colors of blue. So I'm just thinking, okay, even worst case scenario, your kid gets their fingers on them and they get all smudged, but you won't really tell because there's this bold pattern. Whereas to me, it's like your curtains aren't like your sheets. Or, you know, something that you are going to throw in the wash. I just, I would never in a million years wash my, my panels are going to get wrinkled. Then you got to put them back on the clips. It just seems like a whole headache. So totally get it if she wants, if it's, if it's more of a budget issue and she doesn't want to splurge on the blue curtains, but just throwing that out there to sort of give her another sort of thought process there. I agree. My sister has four kids and a recliner in that fabric and it still looks great. And there's lots of grubby hands. Yeah, like I, I tell clients that they go, oh, I, you know, I need a, um, a fabric for some chairs and it has to be, you know, Krypton. I'm like, yeah, yeah it could be Krypton, but you can use a pattern. Like a pattern was going to hide the stain if you do a busy pattern, which they want to do anyway. They really want to do, a lot of people really want to do color and pattern. They're just like, oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's a great that's the fabric she wants to do. These are them. Look how she just oh, loves shades yeah, of blue. She got to go with those. Like you're not gonna, you're gonna see more dirt on the white because there's just their white, right? And even like water on some curtains or like a little stain, it creates like a watermark that you can see on the white, which I think sometimes is actually, I say this because I have white curtains. And it sort of looks like she has a sofa kind of in front of the windows that have the drapery. So maybe if she even had a small console table behind the sofa, she could get herself or her kids even more away from those drapes. Like how are they even getting to them? And then you don't have to worry as much about grubby hands on them. I know in the kitchen, she does have drapes as well. Your kids are probably going to touch them. But I was trying to think of like, as long as there's something kind of in the way, there's no little hands at a low level. And at a certain level, they need to be old enough not to touch your drapes. And you tell them. But I have small kids, so I don't know if I'm speaking out. <laughs> anyway, out of turn. Um, but I think because you love blue, if you're brave enough, I think you go all blue and or do just the ceiling and do the drapes. Because you definitely deserve some pattern. And I think a chair or something in pattern. I was also thinking too, I love the idea of the ceiling in a color. I would just say maybe add, and this doesn't have to be right away, but maybe at some point add some light fixtures, maybe something in the living room and some pendants over the island, just because that's going to be sort of the thing that helps draw your eye up to the blue ceiling. And then also, okay, here's a, here's just a technical question for you. Should she paint the white rim around her can lights, the ceiling color? Yes. Okay. So obviously the light bulb is still going to be white, but 
everything, including the, and then I'm guessing she should probably do a mat mm-hmm. because there is a little texture on her ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Anyway, so I'm always going to be the advocate for fabulous lighting because I feel like it totally takes it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have different sources of lighting. So you need overhead, you need some table lamps, you need it just like candlelight, a floor lamp. You just need all the different kind of mood lighting. People don't realize that they need those sources of light. You know, they may like, oh, I don't use the overhead. Well, sometimes you might want to turn it on and it's beautiful. It's decorative. So yes, so that, and then table lamps with different lampshades. So whether it's black or white, I mean, they just all create different kinds of mood. If you've got a great chandelier, like you're always going to have it on, you know, because I do that in our dining room or in our, in our dining room all the time. Even if we're not, we don't need the light. I just have it real dim. So it's just like kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Did we answer all of Jackie's questions? I think we did. I think we do. wanted to get color in there. And then was asking about the panels. It sounds like we're all in agreement that she should paint the ceiling and add the drapes. Yes, absolutely. Sorry, we're vetoing your white curtain panel. And bring <laughs> in, yeah, and bring more light sources in. And mm-hmm. and maybe your, con- yeah. Three light sources. See, we gave you an exact number too. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, Ariane, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, visit your shop, and all that good stuff? Well, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you can visit my website at dressingroomsinteriors.com or follow me on Instagram at dressmyroom, also Facebook and Pinterest. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. And I love just getting to go through your portfolio and your Instagram because like I said before, it's like so joyful. It just puts you in a good mood. Yes. Everyone go check it out and follow her. It's some really fun imagery. Yeah. You're a great follow. Thanks ladies. This was fun. Well, thank you guys. Yes. Thank you so much. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!